Do you enjoy listening to podcasts and think, man, I would like to make my own podcast? This is where I found myself last year, and I have learned a lot about what to do and a lot about what not to do. I'm offering consulting services to help you launch your podcast, especially if you're looking to make a more Christian or conservative-based podcast. Find out more information at faithfullyengaged.com. I have a link down in the description below if you would like help on getting your podcast started. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Faithfully Engaged. Um, On today's episode, we're talking about a very important topic about money, about finances. This is something that whether you hate numbers or love numbers, hate money or love money, you have to deal with it. And I think it's even more important that we deal with it from a Christian biblical worldview. So today, my guest name is Daryl Lyons. So uh, Daryl, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, I'm uh, Daryl Lyons. I'm from the uh, South Texas area. Um, I live in a little town called New Braunfels now, which is between San Antonio and Austin. And, uh, you know, we, we didn't have a lot of money growing up. So, uh, I just became really curious about money at a very young age and that never really stopped even to the, to this day. Uh, it's a curiosity oftentimes that, that drives my, um, behavior and it ultimately benefits the people that trust me with money. And, um, today I, I provide leadership uh, to an organization called PAX Financial Group, P-A-X. Uh, PAX Financial Group is an investment advisory company in San Antonio, Texas. And so I was an advisor for uh, since 1999 and then um, moved into more of a leadership role, providing strategy and uh, vision and uh, finding kinks in the hose. And so that's what I do today. Great. I I would love to hear a little bit more about your uh, just curiosity about money. And, and I'll give you a little bit of a personal story here, too. I've always enjoyed just financial things, money, uh, like trying to find ways to, to make it last longer. One of my earlier memories is I'd get money for like my, my birthday or something. Um, and my sister, when she'd get money for her birthday, it's gone. I, you know, it, it was gone in a week. Um, and then she would look at me at the end of the year like, where did you get this money from? I was like, oh, it's it from birthday. I haven't spent it yet. Um, so I've just always had this kind of curiosity with it. So tell me a little bit about that curiosity on your end as a child and what you ended up doing um, with money when you were, you know, growing up. Yeah, so um, when I was younger, we lived in a in a little town called Bernie. It's a German town in near um, in the Texas Hill Country near San Antonio, and my dad was doing pretty okay. Um, my mom had me when she was sixteen, and my mom, my dad was twenty. Um, so you know, it, it, they had to find their spot in the in the economic world, and so my dad actually did pretty well. He's pretty good at his job. So there was a time where we had a house, a boat, a motorcycle, a couple cars. It was pretty going pretty good. And then in 1987, there was a, a market crash. Uh, they called it Black Monday. And um, in in the South Texas area, savings and loans collapsed and the oil collapsed. And so that my that left my dad without a job. And so s- since that time, they had struggled to get their footing and that created a, as you can imagine a lot of marital challenges and just a lot of a lot of tough times for our family 
ended up moving to a little trailer park um, in Castroville, Texas, which is again another Texas small town. And we were living in, in the in this little trailer park, single wide trailer, and um, I'm edging the um, the edge of our home. There's weeds, and you got to be careful when you use a weed eater next to skirting on a mobile home because it could crack the skirting. And I'm and I'm edging, and I'm and I'm wondering how do people have houses with foundations? That was the thought that was going through my head. And I there was a a friend of mine, and her dad was a banker, and he he is the president of a bank. And I thought, man, they have a house with a real nice foundation. Maybe maybe I could be a banker. And so I ended up getting a scholarship to a local university, St. Mary's University in San Antonio. But I had to pay for my own way, and, and and so I got a job at a local bank. It was Bank of America at the time, and that's how I paid my way through school. Account, I uh, ended up getting a degree in accounting. Um, a teacher said, hey, you you understand this accounting stuff? Can you tutor other kids? I had an affinity towards that. And then uh, I took a class where they gave us a bunch of fake money, and whoever made the most money at the end of the semester got the best grade. I had uh, I won that. And so at the end of my college career, it took me four and a half years to get the two degrees. And I, I just didn't know what to do because I, I understood banking, this lending thing, and then accounting and finance. So I had to find a career, and I found this one called Certified Financial Planner. And so that's that's how that had that's how that ended up being a career, and, and that's where my curiosity led me. Um, and going back to the childhood, one of the things that – um, that I did that I started to learn a little bit more about money was actually collecting sports cards, which I still do today. I still collect sports cards to this day. Um, and I, I used to run little shows like you would go to the shows and set up a table and sell sports cards. I used to do that and learn about trading and transactions and negotiation and just, but it was, it was fun for me. I did that. And again, like I said, I still do that today, but, um, really never, uh, I don't know if I was, I think my brother was actually a better saver than me. Um, I, but, but I was never, I would, there was never one extreme or the other. I was, if I bought something, it was always prudent or I'd have the money mm-hmm. or I'd save for it, but never had a, anything that was, you know, money that was burning a hole in my pocket. But the main thing is, is I became curious, not only about money, but how, um, how rich people did life. Um, I didn't know a lot of rich people. And so I started to pay attention to their behaviors and actions and study them. And, um, and of course, since then, I've counseled tens of thousands of people with money. Many of them are wealthy and learned a lot. And um, it's made me a better person, not because, um, uh, not because uh, you know, I just hang out with rich people, but just being observant of what's worked and what hasn't worked. I've seen people who are extremely wealthy that are very unhappy. Um, and I've seen, um, you know, extremely poor people with a lot of joy. And so I don't just, these experiences just don't pass in my life and, uh, without me reflecting on them deeply. And so over the years, I've just been a lot of time reflecting and writing and, um, leading others and taking these, uh, these conversations and this wisdom that, you know, I've developed through the lives of others um, and, and try to pass that along as best as possible. I, I, I'm going to ask you to do something that I know you can't uh, line out 
perfectly, especially in, in the midst of a podcast. But what you were talking about there of kind of those, those habits of people that are wealthy, uh, richer people. Mm-hmm. Part of why I'm I'm asking this is if you just look into uh, probably just common culture, uh, rich people are evil. They only got that way because they were born rich, um, and we need to you know tax them ninety percent, and that will solve all the world's problems. Right? Like that. That's kind of the common uh, vernacular that people people see and i think you would you would be able to see that that's pretty false pretty quickly so what would you say are some of those common habits um money type of habits from those that are wealthy and good with their money um how do people get that way yeah it's a good question gosh um you know, I'm not even sure if you're rich, you're good with your money. Um, that's the funny thing about it. A lot of times people get rich because they've got some specific skill set that got them there. And they're just horrible with money. I see that a lot. Um, the, the the irony of it is, is like they'll have this skill set. Oftentimes it's skill at selling something. And they, they're good at selling something. They found a, um, a niche market and then the... Um, the demographics were favorable. Um, so, you know, let's say somebody was good at selling cars and they, um, they were, they just landed in the Tesla business and Teslas were real popular. And during that six or seven years, they were, you know, they were all great at selling stuff. And then they, the problem happens. And this is why I'm just, I'm, I'm really just a passionate about my relationship with Christ is because, it really, in a lot of ways, sets them up for failure because then they get this degree of arrogance um, that they have a skill set that really doesn't exist. So they make bets with bigger dollars on themselves um, and oftentimes fail. And that is not uncommon. So, um, yeah, the, the one thing that I found was fascinating as I learned along the way is that some people who are rich are very, really not good with money. <laughs> it's crazy. Now, um, you know, sometimes they, they stop the bleeding when they make these big mistakes and, and they can recover. But I, I did, I did find that fascinating that people who have a lot of money, sometimes they just kind of, I mean, there was definitely skill sets, but they kind of got lucky along the way. Um, so that's interesting. I think worthy of just pointing out. Um, I think that that I've certainly recognized that um, that that it's so dangerous to have money independent of Christ. I mean, there's over two thousand scriptures on money, so this is a very serious topic. And so the pursuit of wealth, um, you know, we know in uh, Timothy it says, "Command those who are rich in this present age not to be arrogant, nor to put their hope in wealth." But we know that when people do put their hope in wealth and they have success, that if they don't have this um, Christ-centered um, way of life, that there will be other things that fall. Whether it's making a big mistake because um, their alt their their senses were altered because of the altitude of where they're at, or they fumble in other areas of life, health or their children. So, man, I, I just think that wealth can be very dangerous if it's done independent of Christ. So I'm really cognizant of that now. Um, but I'm not I'm not of the camp, which you had mentioned, that rich people are evil because I've been poor and I've been rich. And I know there's evil and mean people in both 
demographics. I've seen very, I've seen extremely selfish people, um, hoarders and not willing to share and, and they're poor. And then I've seen, you know, rich people abundantly give with just a generous heart. So it's just, it's interesting because I don't, I, I think that there's, there is, there are some lessons to be learned about if you're poor and you're thinking, you know, I often think of poor and broke kind of different because I, th- I always think poor is more permanent and broke is pretty temporary. But if you're in a place where you're like broke and maybe even in that profile of poor and you're thinking, I want to get there. Um, I think there are some mindset shifts that have to take place to, to move from being poor to, to rich. I, I think you, you're parsing out some really good things there. Um, I, I'll, I'll kind of start there at the end of your your financial status um, is more of just a, it's something that exists. Like, sure, we would rather be um, able to have our own needs met and our, our family needs met. But the end goal, especially from the Christian worldview, is not get as much money as you possibly can before you die. Um, that's not a healthy goal to have. Um, nor is the other end of die as poor as you can. Um, that Those are not things that we're, we're striving towards. Um, as a Christian, we, we know what we're supposed to strive towards. We're, we're supposed to strive towards Christ, be more like Him. And he, there is a sense there of that sacrificial love, sacrificial giving. That is absolutely um, a, a, a huge part. But you can do that from someone that's being wealthy. You can do that as somebody that's that's poor, but that is a heart perspective. Um and, and separating that from, um, yeah, rich people bad, poor people good, or vice versa. Um, you can say rich yeah. people good, poor people bad. We, we need to get out of that yeah. that mindset. Yeah. And I would love for you to go further into, um, you're, you're already hitting on kind of what what Scripture says about money. What, what do you feel like a good um, biblical worldview biblical principles around finances if you're if you're coaching a a person a family what are some of those tips those principles that we need to have to look at finances biblically this is kind of a silly thing but i've got it here i i i memorize scriptures and i um write them on index cards and then i kind of carry them around with me um and I've I've enjoyed doing that, and then this year God said, "Okay, yeah, I don't hear God audibly, of course, but um, you know, just start memorizing scriptures on money, right?" So there's over two thousand, and you know the that statistic can be can vary because there's different ways to think about how um, money is expressed in the Word of God, whether the word wealth. There's a lot of different um, a lot of different variations and thoughts on money. It's just so fascinating that the Word of God is um, is, is expresses so much in this space. So I just really been really, um, really just leaning into this and God's just doing some, um, amazing things. And so your question is awesome. So all I'm going to do is randomly, I just randomly, I've got 50 of these and they, they're around my house and they're sometimes, you know, you get home and you put your change in your keys somewhere. Well, I also, these index cards go to that same place. And so, so I just pull one out randomly and so you can enjoy this with me, because for me, I enjoy the scripture. It's sharper than a two-edged sword. So this one here says, um, but remember the Lord your God, for it is he 
who gives you the ability to produce wealth. And so confirms the covenant which he swore to your forefathers as it is today. Now that's in Deuteronomy 8.18. Like that's old school stuff, right? That you would expect, okay, you're going to get some good stuff from James or Romans or some of this really good Holy Spirit. This is just old school stuff that's telling you, remember the Lord your God. Because we are, at the end of the day, um, we are a flawed individuals who forget all the time. So here we have, again, a, a reminder in Deuteronomy Remember the Lord your God, for it is he who gives the ability to produce wealth. And that that humility is so important as we continue to grow. And, and that's why I kind of alluded earlier that it's kind of interesting how I see people just, um, just the lack of humility as you start to have some success. It, it works a lot in stock trading. So, you know, I'm in this, I, I do a lot of stocks and, and wealth stuff. And um, so, I mean, a financial advisor is my trade. But what happens in the stock market, when you have a bull market, when things are going well, what happens is is um, you end up learning some trading strategies and you buy some stocks. So maybe you buy Tesla, as I alluded to earlier. So you buy Tesla and you make some money on it. You're like, man, I just I spent you know $250 on that. Now I'm going to go and, and I'm going to put 1000 in it because I think I've got this thing figured out. And then you do it again, you do it again, and then you're start now you're starting putting ten thousand dollars in, and then all of a sudden the market turns on you, and your strategy that you thought you had really buttoned down didn't quite work, and that's the same thing that happens in life. And so, the idea, the the best antidote to is is humility, is just is just staying grounded and remembering it's the Lord your God who gives you the ability to produce wealth. So if you get to a place and you're just totally uh, confident in your skill sets. Um, I, I know that having confidence is important, right? But that's not the issue that we have in society. Our, our bookshelves are full of self-help confidence books. We don't have a, uh, a, a need to learn more about our confidence. We have a need to learn more about, uh, engaging our creator who as confirmed in Deuteronomy gives us the ability to produce wealth. And so going to him and just asking for this wisdom, to, to understand how do I produce wealth, nothing wrong with wealth, but that means how do I get the job that I need to get to earn an income? How do I impress my my boss with my skill sets? Um, how do I start a business? I mean, really getting getting with the creator and saying, I, I don't have the ability to produce wealth, but you do, Lord, so I'm going to trust you in this. And so that that's really what it comes down to, but that's all the time. That's that when you're starting out and that's when you're successful. Um, so that, I mean, gosh, I could talk about this. This is a great question. Um, and, and continue every single car just, um, brings life to me because I just recognize that, that, uh, that God has really wired us to engage with him and money and, and it, and money is, is one of those subjects that sometimes we disconnect, um, our creator, we just completely disconnect. And, and I'm suggesting that that's really, uh, that's really not the way of life. I, I think that is such one is is I love the the index card um uh kind of the strategy that you have there of just having the word of God nearby you. Um I'm a huge fan of having anything. Now my, my wife has done stuff on our bathroom mirror before of, of writing verses. I know people put stuff on their on their refrigerator or on their phone. Yeah. I, yeah. whatever works that you have you can have with you. Um it's that powerful. It's that important. Second thing that really stuck out to me is, is yeah. like you referenced, 
this was Deuteronomy. This wasn't this wasn't Jesus' words. It wasn't Paul's words. Um, and sometimes, especially as Christians, um, there's a reason why we go to the New Testament a lot um, because of Christ. Like it's important, um, but we forget that Deuteronomy, the Old Testament, all of it's important. All of that is that biblical wisdom and ultimately points to Christ. Um, so we don't need to throw away Deuteronomy. Um, we don't need to throw away Leviticus and uh, Isaiah and all that. Um, they're important. There's wonderful, wonderful wisdom there. And to to tie that up to what you just said there, I mean, we could take this outside of finances and separating Christ from your profession, from your education, from your family, from anything, you're missing the point. There's not there's not church on Sunday and then the rest of your life you do your own thing. No. Um, that humility, like you said, we need heaping doses of that. And I'm sure you could say this for yourself. I say it for myself that there's many times that I'm humbled, um, that I look through my life and I'm, I'm grateful for some of the good things I have. And I start really believing because of all the great things that I've done, um, of why I have that. And how humbling is that to come to scripture and realize, wait a second, um, this isn't about you. Um, God's the one that provides wealth. So I think that it was an absolute wonderful display of, of biblical wisdom there. Yeah. Thank you. I, I'm just I, I'm completely on board with what you said. You know the, you know the idea of just it's just such a hard thing for Christians because we want to build this confidence, and then we we also want to have Christ's confidence. Um, but I, I I just really think that the idea of engaging our Creator with all things money um, is is really I, I think the only way to go because I think about like. Me growing up and my, you know, my mom, she's, you know, dad, I, you know, they struggled and they, there's times where they had to say, you know, Christmas might not be here this year or it might be tough. And, you know, that's, um, for a kid, that's, it's difficult to digest. And for me as a kid, I, um, I, I hurt not just for presents, but I actually hurt for my parents. I was like, man, this, this sucks for my, my family. And, um, but see, when you're engaged with Christ, if, and you're struggling like that, you, there's, there's revelation that, that, um, God in those circumstances was actually doing a good work on me to prepare me for today, which was much bigger than Christmas. Like, so, so God uses, so sometimes we have to just, when we engage with God in tough circumstances, we can sometimes get glimpses of how God is using these tough circumstances for something greater, even generationally in some cases. But when we in, get independent of Christ, we get all squirrely and worried and uncomfortable. But, but man, I think that it's a really beautiful relationship when we, when we can bring in all of our financial thoughts and put them before the Lord and then go in scripture and he reveals some of some of the powerful things he's done in the past with people he's loved and now he how he how he uses money um, in such a way that glorifies him and we just have to be patient in that process and trust him 
one thing when you were talking earlier that came to my mind so through my uh through my day job as a uh as a counselor i talk about finances fairly frequently depending on uh what's going on that's obviously a pretty big life stressor that people go through and i don't have this uh research right in front of me i'm sure you're aware of this as well in your field that suicide is really predicted based off of financial crises 2008 2009 um big financial crises suicide numbers went up pretty significantly um and as a counselor obviously that's that's concerning and just as a human like we don't want people um harming themselves based off of finances but you can see real quick that if we separate ourselves now it's my self-worth on the line my confidence my ability to provide uh oh i lost all this money essentially they just lose hope they, they lose any hope in themselves and, and providing and that's why it's so important to not separate that from from christ like you're mentioning there um yeah th you're still going to be upset you're going to be in despair if you lose in some cases everything but as a as a Christian, as as a Christ follower, we have hope that God works all things um, to to the good, to His good, and we may not always understand that in the moment, but we have that hope, we have that trust, um, mm -hmm. and yeah, if our hope is in that money, maybe things are good for now, and maybe they'll be good for a good chunk of your life, but. Uh, if things go downhill, they go downhill fast, um, and we really need to be careful, especially as Christians, to, like you're saying, not separate God from that wealth, because um, he can work those down moments just as much as the up, moment, um, up moments. Yeah, he really can. Um, I just, I know it's hard. Like, man, right now, um, you know, the, the health care, right, health insurance, um, we use like a Christian sharing plan, which is good. But even then, all that stuff's expensive for families. I mean, so you've got that. You've got, um, you know, worrying about how do I pay for my kid's college? Um, and then, of course, we know inflation. You know, we had 9% inflation, so that trickles through the system pretty hard. You know, groceries. I can't believe how much I just go in and get a few things from the grocery store. And I'm like, that was $95. Mm -hmm. And I look at the lady, she goes, yeah. I go, that used that that used to be like seemed like 40 or 50 so um yeah i mean i i this is tough i mean it, it's tough it's it's kind of from a from one perspective we we sit here and go you know um we're the richest nation in the history of the world so how tough is it right um you know there's kids eating mud pies you know i i'm i'm a i i have compassion children so i get to uh, have a point of reference, but, um, it's not the point of reference that I, you know, I could have, but a lot of us don't even have a point of reference. So what I'm trying to say is that, um, our difficult times, um, are a, not that difficult, but B, they are, they are, they are still your difficulties, right? They're your unique challenges. You're like, I understand. I understand there's kids in Africa. I understand that, but I'm a mom and I don't have any more money and my kids need braces. So this is actually hard, Daryl. I know this is hard. This is, I know there's kids in Africa, but Daryl, 
my kids need braces and this is I'm scared. I say all that because um apart from him we can do nothing. And so what does it mean to be a Christian? What does it really mean to be a Christian? But when it comes to money, the faith is gone. Like, how is that possible that we completely, every other part of our life on Sunday, but we pray before dinner, but when it comes to our money, we completely, completely disengage from our creator. Like, there's no prayer. There's, I mean, there's futile prayers. There's no getting in the word. There's just complete worry and anxiety. Um, this is evident in the statistics today. At anxiety is at an all-time high. And so my question to Christians is we're called people of the way, you know, originally people of the way. So there's got to be a different way of thinking about money than everyone else. And it's my conviction that, um, that when he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, no one can come to the father, but through me, there's a different way of life. And the byproduct of our trust in him is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, generosity, and self-control. So when it comes to money, it's not going to bring us joy ever independent of Christ. Hmm. Um, so I'm really trying to, I'm, I'm really trying to make sure that when we, when I talk to my community of people that we're advising, I really want us to, to really get in a place where we're not having money conversations here in church on Sunday, but we're really fully integrating our money um, with our faith. And, and that's, that's something that's been lost in the body of Christ. And um, I've been talking about a lot more lately. I, I, I think that that's, a, again, an extremely good point that we need that infused in everything. Um, I, I've had a fairly recently different perspective as far as finances go in the church just because this past year um, I'm the I, I run the offering and do the budget and everything at church so I've never been behind the scenes with with that kind of stuff before um, and something I was actually really glad that my pastor um, kind of warned me of uh, going in was to just check yourself because now I have access to who's giving what. Um, and he's like, you, yeah. you need to check yourself because you might get into, well, why aren't they giving this much or whatever? And the best I do, I try to just block names out the best I can. That's not fully possible, yeah. but, um, anyways, I, I've, it's been a, it's been a really interesting journey just seeing this side of things. And it's gotten me really interested in how people look at church giving um, giving to the, their offering. Um, and something that my pastor's really been counseling us on is to making giving, um, a making it a, a discipline and not just a, oh yeah, that's the thing we do. Um, he said this, it's kind of one of those good and bad things that we have, like this is the way I give to that is set up like on an automatic um, amount. And his... Yeah kind of counsel on that is like, that's really good because, you know, that's again, that discipline and it provides you to not kind of just like, ah, I don't really want to give this much. Um, like you just do it. But he said, one of the issues with that is it can kind of separate the, 
kind of the spiritual part of that. Like you can, it's a little bit easier to pray over the check that you put in the offering plate and say, you know, let this be used for, for your glory or whatever. Um, So I guess kind of leading into that, um, what would you say are some ways to make um, just giving specifically to the church, but in general, how we can make that more of a spiritual um, moment and, and making it more of a joy, um, which is what we're called to do. Yeah, you know, I, I'm a little squirrely here because, um, you know, my, you know, my pastor friends might not 100% agree. So you can take this for what it's worth and throw, throw it out. But um, I'm a giver. You know, when I um, I was completely broke and um, had my firstborn. And we only had one car, and I was a financial advisor with one car. That's like having a shop teacher with four fingers. And um, I left my office keys at the house, and so I, I was trying to go to work really early to work myself out of this challenge and predicament I'd put myself in because we were just starting the business out. This was you know pre-2007, and my credit card had equaled my income, and so I was just trying to make things work. I was doing cash advances and just really nonsense stuff and um, just trying to survive. And um, I was like, well, I've lived in a trailer. It's not so bad. I could do it again. And But this sinking feeling came, came over me that morning that I couldn't get in the building because I left the office keys at the house. Um, and it was early morning, so no one was able to get me in. So I sat in my car and cried because I was like, I'm going to fail as a dad. This I'm starting out with my firstborn. We have four now, but at the time I was just nervous. And I remember telling God, I was like, okay, I'm in a low, um, and I'm scared. And, um, at this point I'm going to trust you with my first fruits because prior to that I gave when it was convenient. I would give, you know, sporadically. Um, but at this point I was going to make a commitment, Lord, I'm going to give to you my first fruits, um, regardless of my circumstances. And I was completely broke, right? So I didn't have the money to give, my first fruits, but I was going to do it anyways. Now, this was not a contingent plan. This was not like, God, if I start giving, you'll, I want you to bless me. This was just me just saying, I'm going to try this trust thing now. <laughs> and um, um, I committed to that, and I've never stopped. Okay, so this is where it gets squirrely, where to give. Um, so first, well, before I get to where to give, um, some people wrestle with, do I give from the gross or the net, Right? Okay, well, let's go into theology. What does it say? Okay, well, God says, render under Caesar's what is Caesar's. And then, okay, maybe that means the you know net. I don't, I don't know. You could get into weird theology stuff. But um, typically it's, it's gross. But it's a challenge. Look, that's a real challenge. Because if you look at this gross number and then you take out the uh, health care and taxes, you're like, uh-oh, I don't really have much left. But that's, that would be the goal is to, to do it on the gross number. Um, that would be the goal. But some people just are struggling to get there. Um, Americans, on average, give 1.5%. Um, Christians give one point. If you go a little deeper, I don't know if it's Barna or whoever did this, but if you look at practicing Christians, which, right, we have this cultural Christians. That's why they're so mm-hmm. close. But if you go to practicing Christians, those that read the Bible and go to the church, that's closer to 3% or above 3%. So go Christians. We're twice as giving as the secular public. Um, but still 3%, you're like, okay, wait, that's not really a tenth. That's really not a tithe. Um, so we're still falling short. So here's the, here's my perspective. I'm like, okay, what's, what's the impediment? Like, what's the challenge? 
Well, um, you know, I mean, you just scratch the numbers down and it's hard for family to give. It just really is. Um, certainly priorities are out of whack. I can tell you that because, you know, they're, they're, they're still buying stuff. They just, this giving thing. So do I get caught up on the gross and net? Not so much. I say the gross would be a goal. Um, but if you give 10% in the net, look, okay, cool. Just do that. That's fine. Um, and then the other thing is jump making the leap from zero to 10%. I've seen that as a real challenge over the years. Um, good Christian people haven't been giving. And then all of a sudden I'm telling them about these scriptures and how, you know, how important it is. And they're like going from zero to uh, 10% and they put the dollars on there. Like, I don't know. That's a lot. So, um, I'd say, you know, ease into it. If you need to do three, four, five, whatever it is, get there though. You can get there. Finally, I get to the other place where people are like, well, yeah, but I'm just not, I'm just not all sold on my church. Like, and then I say, okay, well, why are you going there if you're not sold on your mm -hmm. church? I mean, you know, and so they don't want to give all to their church. Well, I, 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 this is, this is where the pastor may take issue. I'm not, um, I'm not really concerned about the steeple so much. There's a lot of parachurches and ministries that if you wanted to give to them, that's fine with me. Um, I'd say your priority should be your local church, just like mine is. But if you wanted to enjoy the giving differently, because there's a part of the joy factor that I think is encouraging, and you say, okay, I'm going to give 75% to the church, but this other 25% I'm going to give to, I'm going to make it up, compassion. Okay. Like, I'm like, like, I don't have any issues with any of these strategies. Um, some pastors may say, it all needs to go to the, the church, the steeple church. I'm not caught up in that because I think that we're still so far away from what uh, from getting there. And I think at the end of the day, without any debate, that God loves a cheerful giver, right? We do know this. So how we get there, I'm not so much legalistic about. But I did give, I think, some approaches that everyone can adopt and maybe some objectives and goals uh, for people to to aspire to. But the the I've t I alluded to the anxiety and worry that our country has today, and many of us are Christians that, that experience this worry. And I've sat down with families, kneecap to kneecap, thousands of them that have worried deeply, that say they're a Christian and worry like they're not. Mm -hmm. That's weird, but it's true. And I've been there, and I'm one of those people. So I'm not I'm not casting stones. It's just weird that that exists. Um. But what I'm saying is a potential antidote to that worry. Remember, in the original Greek, anti doesn't mean against. We always think about, like, the Antichrist. It means in replace of. Anti means in replace of. So I'm suggesting one of the antidotes to this anxiety is giving. I'm suggesting that to you. I'm suggesting that it's a testament of faith, like a like a practical testament of faith. And so what I'd suggest to anybody is the worry exists. It's perpetual. There's no way out. I know it doesn't make sense, but everything Jesus said doesn't make sense. Turn the other cheek. That doesn't make sense. Like there's a lot of stuff. Jesus reversed the script on everything. This is a supernatural thing. And so my suggestion is, is that we need to start giving and we need to start taking that seriously. Uh, long answer to whatever question you asked. Sorry. <laughs> I know I, I I love it. I I <laughs> I think there's 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 a ton of wisdom in there. And at the end of the day, um 
I mean, that those the statistics that you gave, hey, it's great. Practicing Christians are higher, but I mean, it, it's just not good enough, you know? Like, it's not about um, making our pastor super rich. I love what you said. Hey, maybe we need to be looking at, if I don't trust my church so much, maybe maybe we need to look elsewhere um, and, and find a, a local body that is is being biblical with, with your money. Um, but regardless, we have to. It, it is... It's something that's not just a, we have to because it's this command and it's this terrible, horrible thing, but because it does bring us joy. And it is, like you said, it sounds backwards, but when you do give, now you have this vested interest. Um, we, we were talking about this, about uh, we, we support a, a missionary couple uh, through our church, um, and now we care about the country that they're in. It's a lot easier to pray about that country because we have a vested interest. We're reading the newsletter. Um, you're you're, in, you're invested and you care, and that's a lot of what anxiety is: is you don't have a direction, um, you don't really have a purpose. You 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 just you just don't know, um, and it's that I don't knows that really causes that anxiety. With this giving, you have a direction. Sure, you may not know where that money's coming from sometimes. Um, and that's where the concept of faith is so important. But I love that so you break true. that down. And just at the end of the day, we just need to do it. And you'll be better off. Um, I liken this with a lot of my clients uh, with uh, just some of the, the mental health things we do. It's not complicated. Um, but being able to have a healthier life, be able to make your finances healthier, it's not that complicated. It can be hard. It can be take a lot of discipline. To do it, but we don't have to overcomplicate it. If we're at zero percent, do three percent. That's better than zero, and we, we can work ourselves up. But again, but at the end of the day, it, yeah. we have to do it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if we would have. Um, I mean, corruption is obviously a problem, but if we, you know, if we were following God's plan, I'm not sure we would have homelessness or world hunger or anything. I mean, obviously, like I said, obviously the, you know, corruption in the Congo and all that is, is makes it problematic, but really our, it's, it's, you know, I've got, I've got, I started a ministry overseas in Moldova and uh, we get kids off of the streets on the basketball court. Love those, love those players and, and people. And, uh, you know, when he comes over here, we just have, we become friends over the years and he's just like, you know, just, so crazy how Americans just are so kind of, I mean, he doesn't say selfish, but just caught up in our own little world. And mm. um, he just brings perspective in my life. So I appreciate that. Yeah. No, I, I think that's great. And that's I, why. I, and I, guys, I, I, go ahead. I, I was going to say, I've seen, I've seen people with millions. I've seen Christians with millions and millions and millions that don't give. But I've also seen poor people who don't give. Like, mm. and again, it doesn't matter to God. God does not need our money. Um, I'm just surprised that, that, uh, this is a, this is something that we don't, uh, take a little bit more seriously, but I'm also not surprised because it's a sensitive topic. And if we're depending on a pastor to, to shepherd us, this is one that it's hard for them to, to really, uh, take on directly. And you may do it like a pastor may do it once or twice a year. Um, or maybe even you know four times a year, but there's two thousand scriptures on money. I mean, to a certain degree, this is, should all, this could, this topic of money could be a subject 
every single sermon. But of course, a pastor, that's going to be challenging. Not only is it challenging to him because some of the, the nuances of money can get overwhelming, but it also comes across as, you know, uh, you know, a conflict. So my point in that is that um, I, I, I just know that there's a gap in this space of thinking critically about God's plan for money as people of the way. And uh, I, I, I've just been out about uh, you know, trying to help people re, you know, reconsider it. I, I absolutely love that, and I think what you're you're doing and uh, how you're sharing the importance of thinking about money in a biblical way is just so incredibly important. Some, something I like to do for the audience, um, I, I really like this podcast to be centered on on action. That's why I like to bring people in that are actively doing things. If you had to give the audience just maybe one or two takeaways from our conversation, what what would you encourage them to to take away from this? Yeah. Um, one is, is I'd like for you to start giving. <laughs> um, I'd like for you to give more, um, ideally to your local church, but at least, you know, if not, then to those that are hurting and hungry in some capacity. Um, and then second, I'd, I'd really like for you to get in God's word and see what he says about money. It's fascinating. Um, and he does, he's indifferent. Like he, he if you, if you're, there's plenty of cool people who are rich. Um, so there's no problem being rich. There's no problem being poor. I think it's very interesting how if you read uh, Dr. Rabbi Lappin's work, Thou Shalt Prosper, um, he says that the one uh, unique characteristic in the Jewish community that's different than most is that they believe that being wealthy is inherently good. Um, and so what we've done in our culture is kind of shun that idea. But read the Word of God and see what it says to you. I mean, it's sharper than a two-edged sword. It will, it'll amaze you what you'll learn about money if you study His Word. And I'm not talking about for you to be wealthy. I'm just talking about for you to, to live a, a fulfilling life, the life that He says is abundant. You can learn a lot about money through the Word of God. So those are two things. Start giving and read the Word. I absolutely love it. I those of you that, that are listening to the show will probably want to either know more about Daryl or, or be able to be in contact with them. So where can they find you after the show? Yeah. Um, so you can go to paxfinancialgroup.com, P-A-X, financialgroup.com. I have a lot of resources on there. Um, I do have a podcast, Retire in Texas, so give some commentary. I, I kind of keep it secular in nature, but you get the you get the feel that I'm a believer in, in throughout. So I'm giving a lot of economic commentary, so I'm trying to help the public there. But but people people know I'm a believer. Um, and then I'll have my biblical responsible investing book that'll be out. It's already printed. I have it, but it'll be my publisher will launch in January 30th, so you can be on the lookout for that. Uh, and then of LinkedIn, LinkedIn's a good way to connect with me. So those are just kind of some ways. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you again for, for just sharing so much biblical wisdom about finances and, and for being on the show with us today. Yeah, it's been fun. You've asked great questions, so thank you. Absolutely. And thank you to everybody that tuned in for this episode, and we'll see you on the next one.